0: The Football Show
1: on Off the Ball. Brought to you by the Boyle Sports app. Cash out and in play betting available in the App Store and Google Play Store. I prefer to do anything I can well, to play, play country again.
0: Do it then. What about your start to the game? Ah, it wasn't bad, was it? Why should it an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern
2: day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh.
1: So, Gabriel Jesus has scored his second ever hat trick for Manchester City. It's 5 0 against Burton Albion, an hour on the clock. What good knowledge that, Joe. Very good knowledge. <laughs> 8 9. Will they get to 10 0? They can if they want to.
3: Yeah, I think so. Young uh, Phil Foden's just come on now as well. They rest De uh, rest Bruyne to get him off the pitch. But uh, it's just a phenomenal squad, isn't it?
1: How is young Phil Foden developing?
3: Very well. Um, he was excellent at the weekend, of the FA Cup. It, yes, you might look at FA Cup against Rotherham, but he's he's filling out. Joe physically, he's getting stronger. He looks um, he looks actually a little bit more quicker as well. He's brilliant at running with the ball. That's that was always his biggest strength when I saw him as a kid as well playing. But he's physically now he's he's able to cope. I think with with the demands of more football. I think that's the way it is with him and. He's getting nurtured. We, we, we spoke last night to Pat, didn't we, about Hudson-Odoi and what's the story with him? There's talk of There was actually talk of and leaving. Not leaving, but going out on loan. And Guardiola said, absolutely no chance. This boy's very special. I will not let him go. They've so. done
1: a really nice job with him, you yeah. feel, don't Developing they? Developing him well, yeah. aren't they? So, what, 28th of May, 2000, he was born, which makes him 18, going on 19 this summer. Yeah. He's coming to a good age. Yeah. State. He's getting a nice amount of minutes.
3: Uh, you look at maybe how he's, he's from a background at Barcelona, isn't he? Uh, Guardiola, of course, and and how they developed the players. I mean, and yes, Messi is maybe slightly different to that, but so many of the players they introduced and give them five or six games yeah. a season, five or six starts. Then it went up, and that's what exactly what they're doing with Foden here. And, He's he's gonna be a key member of that squad. I would say be a key player
1: in the next four four or five years, definitely. Mm. Um, so five nil, an hour gone, it's interesting when you watch them play against Rotherham and now Burton. You obviously appreciate how wonderful they are anyway in the Premier League, week in, week out and match of the day. But there is something akin to watching uh, you know, sometimes when they do the old pro am at Pebble Beach in the golf and you get to you get you become slightly immune to just how good the golf swings are of the professionals, yeah. you know? And then once a year you watch them at Pebble Beach where they're playing with 15 handicappers next to them. Mm. And you suddenly just realise, my God, how good they are when you Mm. see normal people uh, trying to hit golf shots right next to them. And there's a touch of that here when you think all of these players for Burton were pretty much the standout players in their school. You know, these lads were unbelievable. You've never seen anyone like this fella. Yeah, and they've gone up and they've had a good career, I'm sure, with Burton. And they actually look like they can't. Yeah, play fo- they, they, they look like they can't play football next to. Quite a high
3: standard. Yeah. I know John. John Brayford, the, the fullback, is Jesus in for number oh, no, number
1: four. Right. But they've cut them open there again. There it is, six, six nil. nil. Yeah, right. but they look like it's. There Foden go, right on cue. Here we go, Foden. But isn't it amazing to watch really good players look so bad? I know. I know. Uh, do you know what? And,
3: and technically. You know, if you look at them individually, a lot of the players would still be able to do the same sort of skills. Um, what what it comes down to, and I, I, I wouldn't want to be critical of Nigel. I know that Nigel's done 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 a great job there at Burton, but I think you've got to have something different when you play against these teams. And City have a, such a way of playing, whether the movement is phenomenal every single time. There's players beyond the ball, there's players in support behind, there's players to, uh, out wide. So many options for for the City players, whoever's on the ball, whereas Burton, Burton don't, Then you know, I say, it, we're not going to fill them with detail, but there's got to be a plan without the ball rather than just retreat. There's right. got to be a time when it's, when we go gone press, yes. yeah, we retreat to the halfway line, but when they step over the halfway
1: line, can we go and engage? There hasn't been that. For people who didn't catch earlier in the news round, you were saying you've played briefly under Nigel Clough, and he's probably a bit like his father maybe in that uh, details are not what he's all about. It's not a detailed plan. Oh,
3: Mr. Sitter as well, just Mr. Sitter there to go seven. Uh, David Silva, what a bad player he is. Um, no, and... and that's his way, and do you know what? I I liked I liked actually playing under him. I did. It was certainly right. a different different way. Um, but the the organization and the uh, shape of the side concentrating on an opposition. No, there was none of that. There was none of that preparation it's for opposition. Not a Roy opposition. Hodgson
1: or a Tony Pulis. No,
3: none of that. None of that was never. You know, you would never have eleven v elevens or eleven v eights and work on the t- shape of the team, attack v defenses and things like this. You wouldn't necessarily be doing that on a regular basis. No. Yeah. A lot of drills. A lot of sessions uh you know you might do shooting sessions you might do passing sessions you might do all, you know sessions in you understand it's like passing sure. all these sort of things but not necessarily with a with a, a plan ahead of your weekend fixture or your midweek fixture whatever it was going to be so um but he's got a way he's got a way of if he's got a way of talking sometimes it can be very very harsh the one thing i know is one of the most harshest critics of players that I would have come across, how he talks to players, uh, but I, I liked him. I, I like
1: Echoes of the father there.
3: Yeah, I, I like working under him, right, I okay. did, I really did, I had I, I, I a short spell, my back went and I ended up then going back to Hull, I, it was a loan spell, uh, but I would have stayed the season
1: if, if my back hadn't have gone. Okay, well, 6-0 as things stand, there's no real shame in that against this Man city side, 65 minutes on the clock. Yeah, this could be anything though, that's Yeah, okay. let's go to Tom English, Chief Sports Writer with BBC Scotland, you there Tom? I am here, Joe. Great to have you with us. Thanks for holding on there. So um, I guess we want to talk about this real uh, genuine rekindling of the old firm uh, rivalry. Obviously, there was a rivalry there uh, regardless, but we've had Rangers beat Celtic over the Christmas period, the first time they beat them since 2016. They're both on 42 points, albeit Celtic have a game in hand. However, uh, it's all pretty interesting again. I mean, I'm sure you you guys were interested all the way along, but for the more casual observers like myself outside the country, the combination of Stephen Gerrard, Versus Brendan Rodgers, plus uh, a decent showing from Rangers this season means things are pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, a lot more interesting, Joe, this season than they have been for a number of for a number of years now. When Rangers or Celtic were just running amok, Rangers weren't at the races. They weren't even in the league for for a number of for a number mm. of seasons. And it's not just Rangers. I mean, Kilmarnock are having the season season to beat all seasons. Um, in 2018, Kilmarnock won more league points than any other team in the premiership more league points than celtic more league points than rangers so the Kilmarnock story tends to get forgotten outside of scotland i think but it it has to be acknowledged because right. it's an amazing story an amazing story and, and what, what f-
1: what's um, what's prompted their fortunes turning
0: oh steve clark steve clark appointed i mean steve clark when he when he was appointed Kilmarnock were bottom of the league the club was a really unhappy place the supporters were protesting Uh, those supporters have turned up that is they didn't have many of them and there was a club it was a kind of a soulless club and Steve Clark's come in he's brought in a few players he hasn't spent a bob but uh, he's 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 hustled and he's got a few new players coming in he's made the guys he has better Alan Power in the middle of the park has been excellent unsung hero in this so that's a uh, you know Scottish football. It's easy to deride it sure. because it is Celtic and Rangers. But that's a great story, Kilmarnock. And this and is Steve,
1: this is Steve Clark, who we know from the bench at Chelsea.
0: Yeah, yeah, Steve Clark, Chelsea, Mourinho, West Brom. Uh, he's been outstanding. Very, very, very right. clever guy. Mm. And I think if Brendan Rogers, if and when Brendan Rogers leaves Celtic, I think Steve Clark would be a short prize favourite to uh, to succeed him. Um, the old firm thing. It is interesting. Stephen Gerrard has made things very compelling here. Um, when you look at it, I mean, you got to wonder: is it because Rangers have advanced or Celtic have regressed? It's a bit of both. Rangers mm. are three points better off than at this stage last season in the league. Mm. Celtic are five points worse off. Okay. So Rangers have moved forward a little bit. Celtic have moved back. I, that's and that's and that's why there's a narrowing of the gap.
3: Tom, I just want to just go back to your point you made mm. about Brendan Rodgers leaving and Steve Clark perhaps taking over, but th- there, there has been a sense this season, more so than ever since uh, maybe pre-season as well, that Brendan Rodgers isn't quite happy there and he has been angling for a way out in some of the things he, he's been saying. Do, do you think that is certainly on the card? Do you think it could be before the season's out or would that necessarily happen after the season finishes?
0: No, I can't see that, Kevin. I mean, you're right, there, there was a little bit of angst in the summer. to get a terrible transfer window. It was an unhappy place. Um, Brendan Rodgers made no secret of that he was he was frustrated that the club was stalling a little bit in terms of bringing in new players. The relationship between him and Peter Lawwell, the chief executive, wasn't great. There was an offer from China, a very very lucrative offer offer from China, which Celtic knocked back on his on his behalf. I don't think that went down very well. But he seems to be happier now than he was before because I think Celtic have looked over their shoulder and they've seen Rangers a lot closer to them than they've ever been before, in, well, since the last six, seven years. Mm. And they're now spending a few quid again. I think they've, in the summer, they fell asleep at the wheel. Um, now, I think they're wide awake and they've signed in three players. I think they could sign another two or three before January is out because Rangers, they're still underdogs to win this league. But... They're not a million miles
1: off it now. Mm. Uh, Rogers, as you said, was very openly critical of their transfer inactivity over the summer. At one point, he says, you have to be courageous as a club. I think this was after they missed out on John McGinn. Uh, we yeah. don't want to stand still. We improve in Europe. And in order to do that, it's simple. It's quality players. It's too late once the rot sets in. It's too yeah. late. So he was clearly banging that drum early doors. And, and, and so how short are they? Uh, well, I guess the, the question where Celtic is always In what terms are you talking about? So if we're talking Mm. about them being a Champions League side who might occasionally get out of the group stages of the Champions League as opposed to um, winning the Scottish title, how far away are they from being, I don't know, some kind of force in the Champions League again, back to the Martin O'Neill days?
0: Oh, they're they're, they're a mile off it. I mean, they're a mile off it. I mean, they'd want to get very, very lucky in the Champions League. They have to go through an extra round nowadays. They have to go through four rounds now. They only used to have to go through three rounds to get into the Champions League. Of course, they didn't do it. Yeah. This year, AEK Athens knocked him out. And that was, the, that was the start of the real frustration because Rogers is a very ambitious man um, and he would see Celtic as a Champions League club. He would see himself as a Champions League manager. And when they're not signing the players that he wants to sign, the whole relationship becomes a bit testy. <coughs> and unquestionably, it got tested. Yeah. Um at the moment, you you know, they would have to invest heavily. Now, they did. They, they, they signed Edouard from their centre forward from, um, from PSG for nine million record transfer. But they didn't do anything apart from that. And there were gaping holes in the squad mm. in defence, which, which they did nothing about. So it caused, it caused a lot of internal strife, which they're still trying to work their way through. In the meantime, Rangers, Rangers have inched up on them. Now, Rangers are hemorrhaging money. Um, they they lost 14 million quid last season. They're going to lose a lot more money this season. But there is a desperation at Rangers to stop this holy grail of a ten in a row. Celtic and Rangers have both won ten league titles in a row. No, uh, nine league titles in a row. No one has ever won ten. Celtic are currently on seven, so Rangers are going all in now mm. to stop. Rent a Celtic winning any more titles? It's going to cost them, but it is making for a very interesting spectacle here.
3: Yeah, t- Tom, do you know in relation to say the the investment ahead of the Champions League? Then what what is the reasoning behind that? I understand that there's, 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 all clubs have budgets in place, but Celtic over the last six seven maybe ten years or so it's been judged on qualification for the champions league so why isn't there that investment once they win the the SPL as it was Scottish Premiership now why isn't the investment going in immediately and a real thought process ahead of the head of qualification for the champions league
0: well Celtic will tell you the investment is going in the supporters will tell you it's not going in they will say look we spent nine million on Edward, uh we've renewed uh, contracts for Callum McGregor and a number of other players Tom Rogic uh, at, at great expense um, that the money is being spent um, now that's a kind of a fairly thin argument when it comes to some of the supporters because they don't see gaps being filled I mean Mikael Lustig the right back has been the light of other days for quite a while yeah. now he hasn't been replaced they're down to one striker now lee griffiths unfortunately has got mental health issues which he's fighting his way through now so they're down a big club like celtic have one striker uh, on the, uh available to them now they've brought in they've brought in two or three new guys just in the, in the last few days so the, i just i just think they've lost their way i think they've been so far ahead mm. domestically that they just got a little bit sleepy and um it's happened to them before when ronnie dialer was the manager they won two very easy titles they didn't reinvest they didn't go again i think that's happened to them in the summer as well they just thought you know what we can get by here yeah. we can prob we can maybe slip into the champions league by not spending too much money and it's and it's cost them really
1: so um, I think we're all well aware of the um, TV money in the Premier League and that's quite clearly outstripped every other revenue source by uh, multiple at this stage. What about up in Scotland, Tom? How are Celtic and Rangers making the vast bulk of their money? Is it TV money? Is it gate receipts? Is it, is it a, a more old-fashioned kind of a model?
0: Oh yeah, it's not TV money. <laughs> I mean, you know, Celt- Celtic, European money, Champions League money has been a godsend for Celtic. It's, you know, under Rodgers, the first two seasons under Rodgers, they got into the Champions League both times. It was a about thirty million quid each time. Um, they've also sold players: um, Van Dyke, Stuart Armstrong, the number of big name players uh, they have sold to England and made fortunes off them, and that's how they've kept the wheels turning. Mm. Rangers have n- have had nothing like that. They have had no European football. They've had no marquee players to sell uh, to England, and that's why they're in this terrible financial mess that mm. they're in. Celtic, Celtic financially. Are in a very, very good state. They're a very stable, stable club. Right. But the fans just want look. Hang on a second. We need to kick on here. There's no point in having thirteen, forty million in the bank when we're level with Rangers at the halfway point of the season.
1: Yeah. And and just a, a quick one on Rangers. I'm sort of surprised to hear they're uh, so willing. I I appreciate the desperation to not let Celtic win ten titles. But I, that they're so willing, given their recent history, to be losing money uh, year on year on year. I would. Is somebody not going? Um, this this is starting to feel a bit familiar, everybody.
0: <laughs> well, that's what Celtic fans will have you believe, that um, that they're going to go to the wall again. Um, I don't know. I mean, all of this money is it's soft loans from existing directors. That's okay. what it is, which will presumably be turned into shares at a later date. So they're not going out borrowing from the bank. That's not where it's coming from. Um, so this is a different scenario, whereas before, they ran up horrendous debt with the bank, and that's what caused the implosion. Right. Um, this time, But it's from Dave King and it's from the various other directors around about the chairman pumping money in to stave off this what they would call uh, an Armageddon of, <laughs> of Celtics 10 in a row. They need for Rangers to do anything. They need to win the title. They need to get back in the Champions League. They need that 30, 40 million revenue to go out, buy players and then mm. buy in pl- young players and then sell them on as Celtic did. The Celtic model, the one yama way, buy a player in for 2 million Send them off for
3: 15, 20 million. Mm. Just, just on that, obviously they signed Jermaine Defoe, Stephen Davis has gone in now. Jermaine Defoe allegedly in excess of 5 million a year at Bournemouth. So, how mm. can how can they justify? And I understand Bournemouth has probably come to some sort of arrangement with Rangers, yeah. but I would imagine Rangers are going to be having to pay 2 million plus a year to, to, to secure someone like Defoe. Davis would be someone similar, or something similar. So, if you're hemorrhaging the amount of money that you said there, how can that be justified then over a. It's an eighteen-month contract with Defoe, isn't it? How can that be justified? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I don't know what the deal. You're right, Kevin. I mean, Defoe would have been on a fortune at Bournemouth. I would, I would, I would be very surprised if Rangers are paying any more than fifteen grand a week of his wages. Very, very surprised. Uh, Davis, similar. Now that's still a lot of money Mm. in Scotland, in a Scottish context, a lot of money on top of a, a large wage bill already. It just shows you. It's, it's, it's hard to justify it. But then Celtic or Rangers people will tell you, look, the only way we're going to close the gap is by taking a risk. The only way we're going to catch up and win this title is if we push the boat out again. Now, there are inherent risks in this, serious risks, and Rangers people don't need any reminding of the risks they took in the past with the club, the history of the club. Um, They are, are, but they are really with Gerrard, and Gerrard is a man that they're finding it very hard to say no to. Yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a very strong presence here. He's had a big impact here. Um, and he's getting largely what he wants uh, within reason. He's, he's delivering so far. I think he's been very, very good. But absolutely, this is a big gamble for Rangers.
1: Right. Well, you've brought us very nicely onto the next area we wanted to talk to you about, which was Steven Gerrard. So uh, here's a quick clip. I mean, there's various aspects to get into here. I'd be curious to know what, what kind of man manager he is. Have we got... Uh, your little little tidbits from the players, is he cuddly, is he not so cuddly, how he's dealing with the media, how he's uh, setting up the team to play, all these areas. Here's a quick clip of him in action uh, in his media dealings. This was after the one-all draw with Kilmarnock. I think a lot of people have seen this clip early enough on in his uh, tenure. Jordan Rossiter was asked how he felt after Jared had made critical comments uh, after the game and Jared interrupts.
2: Jordan, as a player, to hear your, your manager say, if the players we have right now don't improve and start producing a bit of quality in the final third my job is to find players that will do it what effect does that have as a as a player is that a motivational thing to you yeah uh,
3: well i think at any I'll big answer
2: that it's a warning
0: that's for me that not him
1: he's been injured for two years at a big club you'd expect big players to step up on big occasions and provide big moments if that doesn't happen at any big club, the manager and the recruitment, do you find better players or players who will do that. So is that, I mean, right from the off time, he never seemed phased with the media side of things. At no. one point after the, the Spartak game, he talked about a goal. He said, I think under-12s and under-13s can normally clear the ball with either foot. Uh, so I'm a bit confused over that one, is what he said about yep. one goal. So um, give us your impressions of Stephen Gerrard, the manager, then.
0: Well, he's taken he's taken to the job unbelievably well. I didn't think he would... Um, as much of a, as I'm a fan of Gerrard, a huge fan of Gerard. when you come in as a rookie manager to a climate like Rangers and in Scottish football and you're catching up, trying to catch up and breach this gap with Brendan Rodgers and Celtic, that's a massive burden on anybody. I don't care who you are. But he's taken it um, really, really well. His dealings with the media are exceptional. He's big and strong. Uh, he's very articulate. He's got a bit of stick and a bit of carrot when it comes to his players. Um, you want to be on your wits uh, when you're when you're in a room with him. Um, he's uh, he's very impressive. Now,
1: have you had the chance to sit down with him?
0: I haven't. No, we oh. have a we have a particular local difficulty here, Joe, and that uh, BBC Scotland and and Rangers don't uh, don't see eye to eye at the moment. Oh, is so that
1: right? Um, is that yeah, is that a long term situation?
0: Yeah, it's going back a number of years now. Yes, that's okay. that's that's difficult. I think the less the less say I less I say about that, the better. Now, you know? right. I'll just frantically Google um, here. You chat away. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, but he's um, he's done really well. He's okay. done really really well in in Europe. I mean, you look at it. This time last year, Rangers had already sacked a manager, Pedro Kashinia. The second guy, the caretaker Graham Murty, was already in trouble. They'd been knocked out of Europe by uh, a part-time team from Luxembourg. There were eleven points adrift of Celtic in the league. Now they got into the group stage of the Europa League under Gerard. Okay, they didn't get through, but they got there. Um, they're now level on points, albeit with played one more game than Celtic. So they, he has done exe- in his first six months in management mm. in the hot house atmosphere of Glasgow. You have to say he's done exceptionally well.
1: Is he living in Glasgow?
0: Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, he's, he's visible. Um, he doesn't shirk at Joe. He's not. A, this guy is not afraid of anything. Like. He's a he's a massive presence. He's in no way um, intimidated by the job. Uh, the the media ruckus around him, and it's I know Liverpool, massive, massive club, but mm. when you come to Glasgow and you go into a press conference at at Rangers, there's two or three times the number of journalists there. It's there's, a goldfish I presume, yeah. It's I mean it's it's, it's it's incredibly incredibly intense. Rogers says anybody who comes to Scotland says that that it's it's incredibly intense and at rangers and at celtic you're not allowed to lose a game if you lose a game it's an absolute crisis and there's about six pages in every paper the day after analyzing why this why has this crisis crisis unfolded
3: just to, what Joe touched on there the man management side of it is there is there a feeling that the players do or responding to what he's doing on the training ground individually and collectively and also what he's saying to them what he's saying to them individually and what he's getting the best out of them is there a good feeling amongst the players in relation to that
0: yeah i mean you know again it's difficult for me to talk to rangers players at the situation at yeah. the moment but what i do is i talk to um i talk to players who play against rangers and there's a there's a center forward for hearts called stephen McLean. um I did an interview with him a few weeks ago. Now, Stephen McLean is a veteran. He's 35, 36 years of age. He's been around the Scottish game all his life. Um, and he says playing against this Rangers team is very different to playing against the Rangers teams of the last five or six years. He says they're tougher. He says if you he says if you if you put one on them in the first five minutes, you're getting one back. Mm. He says that hasn't been the case recently. He says physically they're more robust, mentally they're more robust, they're they're hungrier. They're better coached, they're more organised. So I think that Gerard thing, where uh, throughout his career, where obviously he had infinitely more class than any of these Rangers players as a footballer, but that steal that he had, he's definitely brought that to them. Now, whether that's enough, I doubt it with, to win the league, but certainly in the first half of the season, it's been enough to close the gap.
1: And is it attacking football? Is it pragmatic? Would he have a, a defined style just yet?
0: Um, it, it, is been, it has been, he's attempted to attack, it has been attacking, but he has been stymied a little bit by the lack of uh, uh, finishers. He's got one very good one in Alfredo Morales, the Colombian, but he doesn't have a lot else, hence the arrival of, um, of Defoe. Jermaine okay. Defoe. Okay, so that'll be interesting. Uh, that that will be interesting. They've, they create a lot of chances, right. Rangers, but uh, they don't convert nearly as many as they should. I'll, I mean, you look at the the Old Firm game, they had about seven or eight really good chances against Celtic. Um, they only mm. took one of them. Now it was enough, but yeah. they could have won that four or five. Okay, the no. yeah. folk could score ten goals very easily.
3: No, it is. Do, right. do you know do, do, yeah. the one thing? One thing on the, that the ticketing issue as well, uh, Tom. Just mm. you know, at the start of the season, Rangers announced that they're only giving Celtic fans seven hundred tickets. Celtic then yeah. announced that they're for their first game of the season at Celtic Park, there'll only be seven hundred tickets available to, to Rangers fans. Is there any light at the end of the tunnel in, for fans in this one? Are they going to sort it out between the two of them, or is it, is this set in stone now going forward?
0: I, I Kevin, I, I I'm not sure we can we'll see anyone turning back on this. Is this um, just
3: stubbornness, and is this just basically yeah, not?
0: Yeah, it's 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 two clubs just just kind of fed up with each other, and um, one club reduces the allocation, and then the other club says, "Oh well," under pressure from their own fans, mm. says, "Right, we're going to have to do the same." It's tit for tat. It's a bit petty. It certainly takes away from the atmosphere of the old firm game. Um, but I can't, I can see uh, people rolling back on it now because who's going to take the first step? You know,
3: yeah, yeah. I can't,
0: it, I can't see either of them taking it. The
3: first says it, step. it was very noticeable just watching it on watching it on TV. Mm. The atmosphere, how, yeah. You, you, very loud, of course it was, but that atmosphere that we've seen generated for years and years in these games largely down to the away support as well, so it was it was totally different atmosphere yeah
0: no i mean let's let 's face it I mean if I had my way, I'd mute the entire atmosphere at an old firm game because some of the things that you hear mm. uh, are not very savory put it that way um mm. So, but in Scotland, it is has been a big issue. Everyone's saying, "Oh, it's 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 taken away a lot of the atmosphere," and it has, it has. There's, there's no question. Um, but I w- I wouldn't be one of these people that would trumpet the atmosphere at a, at an old firm match too uh, too loudly because I think. I think some of the stuff is not not very pleasant.
1: Yes, no doubt. Listen, it's always great to have you on. We appreciate it. I've just, I I mean, you could not make this up. So I've just looked over my right shoulder because I thought your book was here. And it is. (laughs) No, Very no.
0: impressive. Give it a yes, book. you got to give but, but, it a book.
1: Yeah. Okay, here's the best part, though. So, No Borders is here. And I, because I, I wanted to mention it, because I know you've done an updated version. But right yeah. beside No Borders is Kevin koban's book, would you believe? <laughs> Look
0: at that. Look at that. Soul Brothers. You could, you could
1: not plan ones. that. That is
3: outrageous. Beautiful. I'd say yours is a downside oh, more interesting than mine. Well, I, mean. uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's
0: the old, I think that's the old one, Joe. I'll have to get you the new one. No,
1: I think we got the new one in. I've read the old oh, one and it was fantastic. Right. So, it's, it's oh, like a, no, it's really great. It's an oral history history, so he's got, Tom's gone and spoken to all various um, players and coaches in Irish Rugby and painted brilliant stories, everything from the 07 World Cup to various tours, uh, right back to the olden days, the good old days of Jackie Kyle and uh, Oh, Jack Aunt. Kyle, yeah, yeah, Jack
0: Kyle, yeah, yeah. No, yeah hopefully, I'll be, hopefully I'll be writing another chapter after the World Cup later. Well, then, either yeah.
1: way, even if it goes disastrously, the 07 yeah. chapter was just as interesting as anything. You'll yeah, yeah,
0: there's, there's, it's the, bad, the, bad, the bad news is sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the greatest
1: fun. Sometimes it spot. is. <laughs> <laughs> so that new version is out now if people want to get it, isn't it?
0: It, it certainly is. You're okay. doing a great job there, Joe. It is, well,
3: yes. no, it's a Joe, Joe's a good rugby man now, Tom. That's what he is, honestly. He's a I, cha- he's he, change man. He's, I would, he's
0: Mr Rugby. Oh,
1: oh 100%. 100%. I, I, would, I would not have mentioned it, Tom, if it wasn't very good. So, honestly, <laughs> it's well-recommended. It's very kind. Listen, thanks a million. We'll check in with you as the season progresses over in Scotland. Pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, All right. Kevin. Thanks a million. Good man, thank you. Tom English there, uh, Chief sports writer with BBC Scotland and uh, meanwhile we were watching the goals flood in at Man City it's 9-0 against Burton, we'll run you through the goal scores in just one sec Football on Off The Ball Brought to you by Boyle Sports Now with same day withdrawals to your visa debit card so it seems there is a chance that Man City, now 9 0 up against Burton, is going to have more scores in it than Tyrone against Fermanagh, which is currently four is points to three. I thought um, you
3: were going to say, I think there's a chance that Man City will make the Carabao Cup final. I, I
1: think was, they're good, yeah. I think, you think that's uh, Is saying. this miserable if you're Man City 9 0 up just having to see this nonsense out, or do you enjoy it? Are
3: you, you enjoy it because. Not boring, no? Uh, well, City are probably in this position, not this position, 9 0, but they've certainly been in positions when they're 4 and 5 nil up in so many games. But. Uh, you can just enjoy your football. You can just very, very few times it would have happened where I would have been what, five or six, seven up in games. And you liked it, did you? Yeah, because when do you ever, when do you ever really enjoy a game of football? When do you, when you're playing, you enjoy the intensity. But when do you really ever enjoy taking the ball and just good passing and just go? And just, you play with a smile on your face. So sad. So you had to you always. How often did you ever enjoy a game then? Twice oh, after I was the age of sixteen or 17, seventeen, oh, okay. eighteen. That's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. No, you it's, you enjoy the, the you, grimness, the struggle. Well, it is a struggle. Yeah, it's the grind of a relegation struggle, Joe. And what was your
1: biggest winning margin on a team?
3: At Sunderland, we were down at Cambridge. I think we won seven or eight one in a in a like Carabao League Cup, uh, whatever cup it was at the time. Whoever the sponsor was uh, down at Cambridge when I was at Sunderland. And that was that was one of those nights where you can just enjoy it. A couple of times, maybe in various teams, we would have had, we would have had a big score. and... Five pass, or six. pass, I'll take yeah. the ball, I'll the ball. take it. I'll you're actually, take you're it. going to get the ball for centre-half, you're coming inside. It's just, ah, it's you just, you don't get chances to enjoy it or really enjoy it like that. It's um, terrible. As ever, yeah.
1: Stopped enjoying football after the age of 15? That's
3: you 16, go.
1: 16. 16, okay. When I left school. <laughs> so uh, that's gone full-time over in Manchester. Nigel Clough and Pep Guardiola are just laughing at each other because frankly, what else can you do? So 9-0 finish and we'll all tune in for the second leg. Andy West is with us to talk Real Madrid evening, Andy. Evening. evening. So, uh, Real Madrid beaten by Real Sociedad at the weekend. Uh, the first time in 15 years that the visitors had won at the Bernabeu. And I'm seeing that the attendances are down there, 6,000 fewer on average than last year, just 53,000 at this game. Real Madrid are now outside the top four, so they're outside the Champions League places. They drew the game before that. And Solari obviously is coming under massive pressure. And there's talk that Jose Mourinho has been contacted or approached. This whole thing uh, is a mess, really. So, uh, how bad were they at the weekend? How bad they, have they been in recent weeks under Solari?
2: Um, very bad, yeah. I was, I was just chuckling a little bit listening to you guys talking about enjoying football, because no one at Real Madrid is enjoying their football at the moment. No. It's, um, it's crazy with this talented squad they've got, with the players You know, who've won four Champions Leagues out of five. They're just producing some shambolic performances, really. Um, And, yeah, everything is going badly. There's there's very little positive that you can say. And you just wonder where it's going to go next. They're actually playing at the moment in the Copa del Rey. They're not going to win 9-0. To be fair, they're playing at a top flight team. Leganes, who knocked them out. Last year, which was probably the game that made Zinedine Zidane think, "Okay, I'm going to go at the end of the season." Mm. Um, the one nil up at half-time with a dodgy penalty from from Sergio Ramos, but they're again they're struggling. You know, Keylor Navas has, has made a great save to keep them um, to keep it nil 0 before that penalty. Um, they've got just everything's going against them. You know, a lot of things that, that are unlucky as well with injuries. They've got um, more problems physically. Tony Cruz is out now. Um, Gareth Bale Courtois has been ruled out Bale they've got a lot of players missing at the weekend the game against Real Sociedad they had um, a penalty that, that should have been given and then should have been reviewed by VAR I've no idea why it wasn't and wasn't given and it was 1-0 at the time so you know they, they get that goal make it 1-0 maybe they would have gone, gone on to win so things are just going against them and you just wonder what what can happen next because it just looks at the moment that they're in a downward spiral and it's going to be hard for them to get out.
1: Yeah, I saw Solari trying to explain things a little bit. Like at one stage there was a draw, I think the game before the last, and he was saying, well, sometimes a draw is a good result. And he said, and this is, you know, you're scrambling a bit when you're saying things like this. He said, the only people who underestimate opponents are those who have never played the game. Uh, Q, lots of people are reminding him that he coaches Real Madrid and, Unfortunately yeah. for him, it seems to be a more competitive La Liga than, well, certainly as long as I can remember.
2: I think it is, yeah. Um, you know, we saw earlier in the season there were surprise leaders like Espanyol, Sevilla, Alaves were up at the top for a while. It's settling down into more what you'd expect now. Barcelona yeah. pulling away at the top, followed by Atletico. Sevilla yeah. still up there, Alaves still up there. Real Betis only four points behind Real Madrid and playing them this weekend and the way Betis have played at times this season and the way Real Madrid are playing at the moment you have to fancy Betis to win that one and you know it's crazy to say this with the squad that Real Madrid have got but they're playing for top four now they really are they're in a battle for the top four. By no means guaranteed that they're going to get that. So can you imagine next season Real Madrid not even in the Champions League? That'd be amazing with, with the squad they've got. You, you've got to think they'll get enough wins to to pull it together. But I say you know it's just everything is looking against them. And and I think a big question at the moment is what's going to happen with the manager. You mentioned Mourinho. Is he the answer? Florentino Perez does like him. Mm. They've stayed in contact, and it's possible. That Mourinho will come back. It's hard to see Solari staying in, in position beyond the end of this season, um, but we'll see. You know, with with Real Madrid in particular, f- football can move quickly, changes can happen quickly, and we know they've got enough talented players to put together a winning run.
3: Yeah, and uh, just, if Mourinho were to go back in, if if this could be done. Th- you know, I think it was quite a, it was quite open. It was uh, certainly no secret. The fact is that Sergio Ramos and him fell out big style. Ike Casillas, who was at the club at the time, fell out. Ramos, of course, still at the club, an integral part of that dressing room. It, it, is there any sort of understanding that you would know that that Ramos and him could sort this out? That Perez has spoke to Ramos, and this could this deal could be done simply because that looked to me like that was irreparable.
2: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think it would be difficult. It's possible, but improbable, I'd say, because largely of that, the way he left the club and the relationships he he had in the the dressing room, similar to United. The, the, you know, can you imagine going back into a United dressing room if Pogba was there in a few years? Mm. It's hard to to envisage that at Real Madrid, especially as you know there was a lot of talk um, when Lopetegui went earlier in the season that Antonio Conte was about to take the job. And then Ramos came out and basically said, we don't want him. And that stopped Perez from making that appointment. So you can be sure Ramos would, would have the same kind of opinion about Mourinho. Um, but The question then is, who who do they get? Who would go there? Pochettino is obviously one that's been talked about a lot, but he seems to be more veering towards staying at Spurs these days. Um, you know, you could look for an outsider like Kike Setien, the, the Real Betis manager who's getting a lot of uh, plaudits this season for the way his team plays. But that's never been the kind of manager that, that Perez has appointed. Maybe go back for Conte if they can if they can persuade Ramos. But it's just difficult to see anything positive that can happen there at the moment. They definitely need to rebuild the squad in in certain areas. And they need up front in particular that, that's the absolute priority the thing that baffles me more than anything is, is how Real Madrid one of the wealthiest sports organisations in the world one of the, the biggest and most successful sports clubs in the world can go into a season with their only experienced centre forward being Karen Benzema who has never been a prolific goal scorer and couldn't have been expected to become one it's just that that's made such a big difference in the past you know they they the last few years, they've often not played well, but they always had Ronaldo to bail them out. Now he's not there, and, and it's just such a big gap up front. That that lack of goals.
3: What 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 did happen at the end of the season? You know, when Zidane left, and talk of Modric leaving, and yeah, you, you left with with um, with Benzema just up front. then what 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 has gone on? You look at the talent throughout that team. They still got the same players essentially that won the Champions League last year. Yes, no Ronaldo, but. They've still got a core of that team that's done so well over the last four or five years. So what is, what is going on really there at the club in general then?
2: I think it is a question, ultimately, I think it's a question of egos. Real Madrid has always been a club of player power. It's always been a club where the coach has, has, has had to accommodate himself to the players, rather than having a strong leader, like a Guardiola at Barcelona, you you wouldn't have that kind of coach at Real Madrid. While he was there, Zidane was able to hold that all together because he had so much respect from, from all the players and they played for him. Even when they weren't in the team, he was able to keep everyone happy. When he left, and he left at the right time, knowing that things were just starting to fall apart a bit, especially with Ronaldo leaving, all of that went, all of that harmony in the dressing room, that togetherness that Zidane instilled just disappeared and it became a dressing room of egos again, which it had been, you know, under Mourinho towards the end when, when everyone rebelled against him and nobody pulling in, in the same direction together. Mm. Um, and I think that is the, the biggest single thing. You know, you talk about the tactics, the lack of direction, the the inconsistent team selections, the changes in formation, they all come into it. But ultimately, I think it, it comes down to the atmosphere being one of selfishness rather than egos being put aside in a way that Zidane was able to, to coerce them to do. I mean, they've had an extraordinary run, their Champions League
1: successes have been really remarkable and the team was always going to suffer and maybe break up to some extent. It's just a case of how far it goes and can they wrestle it back before they hit some horrible low like missing out in the Champions League. What about Perez's presidency? Is, is, he, is that up for uh, renewal at any point? Is he under threat?
2: Well, it, he, in, a minute, in another world he would be. But he's changed the um, he's changed the rules basically oh, of how right. you can become yeah, president right. to to all the different criteria that, that the potential president has to meet, mm. um, including you have to be called Florentino Perez. Yeah, so, he's basically you know, changed the criteria
1: to be so specific that basically yeah. he's the only person who qualifies to but, run
2: but absolutely there was a you know there was an article in in one of the barcelona papers this week saying if this was happening at barcelona now we'd be in the middle of a, an electoral campaign mm. but Perez has, has constructed such a strong position for himself he's he's not untouchable but he's he's not far off that
1: okay because i was wondering how the press would treat things obviously papers like marca are effectively the Um, an extension of the club and therefore they may not criticise Perez. I don't know how much they do criticise Perez, but really I mean it just seems a bit mean to bully up on Solari, he's not really the problem here. I don't know know how they are treating the problem, are they they looking at the bigger picture like Perez?
2: Yeah, they're not criticising Perez personally too much um, because as you say they know if they do that they're not going to get what they need. Mm. But they're not criticizing Solari too much either. I think everyone realizes he's just been thrown into this situation with absolutely no experience of of management anywhere. Um, And it's a tough one for any manager to deal with, let alone someone who's never managed before. So he's getting, you know, getting let off quite lightly. And there's no real one thing being blamed. It's just an accumulation of everything, you know, and... uh, injuries and players losing form maybe staying too long everything's coming together in in a perfect storm an imperfect storm
1: yeah it sure is listen Andy thanks a million
2: thank you as always cheers guys
1: Andy West there on the line from Spain where things are not going well for Madrid back in a sec football on off the ball brought to you by Boyle Sports now with same day
2: withdrawals to your visa debit card
1: now, earlier on, we asked you to identify your mystery voice. It was, of course. I have no problem at all in making a, a good sandwich. And what a voice it is. Mihole Hertig, and yeah. congratulations to Dennis Conlon. You had to spell Omer Hertig correctly, I understand, to win this competition. <laughs> so back. you've won the entry to, uh, for himself and a friend uh, in a quest adventure race of your choice. And Dennis, you're also in the draw. To win a weekend in Kenmare For more information You can go to questadventureseries.com. Brian O'Connor on Twitter Would at Band 77 Have ever considered Playing for Rangers If they came knocking for him As a young fledgling player And there were no other offers On the table A big paycheck as well Maybe might swing his decision Perhaps I think It's very obvious The answer is yes Of course he would Do you really believe that? If no other club Was coming for you and you were a young player, this was your only chance to play well, when I was professional a young player, football. When I was a young
3: player, if Rangers would have would have come in, the only team to I come guaranteed in. there'd be more teams that would have come in as well.
1: No, this is just a this hypothetical it, situation. Rangers love you, everybody else hates I you. I would have had to stop playing football for a year. Stop. I could never, I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> oh, dear. Sign me up, I'd be wearing the blue, kissing the badge. Oh, no, yeah. Just to annoy you. Yeah. Tomorrow morning OTBM is live on all our social channels 7.45 Keith Andrews show Kev's going to be on that as will uh, Leeds and Sunderland manager Simon Grayson if you've seen the Netflix documentary it'll be worth hearing from him and uh, Liam Lawrence as well and then Nathan back tomorrow 7 o'clock John Giles and Stephen O'Donnell uh, with Nathan as well Good luck
0: Football on Off The Ball
1: Brought to you by Boyle Sports Now with same day withdrawals to your visa debit card